Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel. Eli, how you doing? Good. Good morning. Good. I'm getting Thanks over for having me on the show again. It's episode 137. I don't know. It's a lot of episodes. Uh, I am going to ditch you for a show coming up here one of these days. Good. I want to apologize, but we're going to have Casey on. And we're actually going to do a little series on estate planning. You know, a lot of people don't know he has his law degree, works in our office. So I think it's going to be valuable to have him come on and provide some of the details that people, you know, want to want to learn about. And I mean, it's really a good advantage for our clients who work here because we've got a great resource to make sure, you know, the estate planning documents are done correctly. And anytime we have questions, we have someone right on site to help us. Yeah, it's it's um, that's really nice. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure my fans will miss me. But if they're good episodes and there's valuable information, they'll be OK. I'll be back. Oh yeah, you'll be. It's back not a big sure. deal. You'll be back at least before the end of the year. Yeah, I'm sure I will. So that's one of the things. I mean, we're getting close. End of the year. I just talked to Molly. I'm like, we got to do a Black uh, Friday episode. We do that every year. We're getting close to the end of the year. I can't believe 2023 is almost in the books. I mean, I can't believe it's already here. Yeah, and it's gonna be. You know, the end of the year, it gets here real quick. And then we have, well, for us, you're a big hunter, so you have hunting. And then holidays. And then I go first season deer. So it's like it kind of sneaks up on you at the end of the year. And then it's like, boom, all of a sudden the year's over. And you're, we're into 2024. I feel uh, like it'll the be year, here before we know it. I feel like the year just started and now it's over. Yeah, it gets that way. Well, I think I had this discussion with um, somebody else that I know well, and uh, the older you get, the faster the years go. Do you remember when you were in high school and you just could not wait for school to get over to have summer break come, and summer seemed like it lasted forever? Yeah, And then summer. college seemed like it lasted forever, and now it's like, oh, man, seven years. You know, I built a house in 2017. I'm being in the house seven years. I can't believe it. Right, and I've almost, I'm getting to the point where I've almost been out of high school and that, like the time I spent there, I'm almost to the point where I've spent just as much time in life outside, right? When I turned 36 or 37, which is kind of shocking because, yeah, it went by. When you're young, you just, you can't wait. Oh, I want to be grown up. I want to live on my own and do all this. And then you become an adult and like for me, like right now, so now we're in the first week of November, football season started in August and it feels like it started yesterday, but it's been, you know, at this point, 10, 11 weeks. So. Oh, I always, I always feel like football season goes fast. I feel like it takes forever to get here, but then once it starts, yeah. I mean, NFL's going on week six this week. Yeah, but Hawkeyes good thing are with five and one. Not, but with NFL, they have an eight. It's awesome because they have eighteen week season and then the playoffs. We're still gonna have football into February. So hey, we're Hawkeye fans. Well, I don't know. I think you're a Hawkeye fan. Uh, I really don't. Yes, that's who I, I grew up cheering for. Games. But I don't really care. I do watch their games. So five and one. Do you know where the offense is ranked this year? Hundred and thirty-five. One twenty-nine out of one twenty-nine. Dead last. Yeah. Can't get worse. Think, think about atrocious. that. You're five and one in the Big Ten with the worst offense. It's unbelievable. 
Well, I mean, it's something to be said about her. They have a really strong defense and strong. They're strong at the other two parts, the defense and the special. They're really lucky they have Cooper DeGene because he's a rock star. I know. He's very good, but I'm not on the. I'm not on the he's the best player ever at Iowa bandwagon. Oh, I don't think that either. I think there's been other players who are actually better. He's just put himself in a position to win. Yeah, but I think it was maybe the washed up. I think Washed Up Wacons podcast was advertising. One of the topics they were going to do is, is Cooper DeGene the best player of the Kirk Ferentz era? That's clickbait. Oh, for (laughs) sure it's clickbait. I mean, I can – oh, so he's better than Chad Greenway? He's better than Bob Sanders? Dude, Bob Sanders, he's the real deal. He wouldn't – I don't think he's better than Bob – you know what the difference is? Did Bob Sanders play special teams? No. So, once again, he's getting more opportunities. Dude, the guy returned one punt for touchdown and then all of a sudden he's the greatest player ever and it was for a talent he is a talented punt returner but that was a terrible punt it was super low well we'll see what his nfl career is because right now kittle george kittle's looking pretty solid right oh he's better than kittle's listening he's sub bro better than (laughs) george kittle better than dallas clark better than robert gallery there's been a lot of good players that played for Coach Did, did you say Tim Dwight? But Tim Dwight did not play for oh, Coach he played, Yeah, they, Okay, so you're that, talking actually, just Ferentz. Okay. That was my first reaction yeah, to that okay. was, dude, there's no way he's better than Tim Dwight. Cause Tim, but Tim Dwight did not play. He played for Hayden Fry. I remember watching Tim Dwight in high school, so I was a freshman. He was a senior. He was probably an unbelievable high school football player. I just got goosebumps, Eli. People just bounced off him. Like, yeah. they couldn't tackle him. And the other thing is... I want to say when they were on defense, they would give like one guy a third of the field and he'd take the other two thirds and you couldn't pass on them. So they're able to stack the box on defense. So yeah. you couldn't run, you couldn't pass. He was just complete freak of nature. I just remember watching him run and it's like, it was like a bowling ball going down a, you know, like a Ferrari, but a bowling ball at the same time. Cause he was so fast. People just kind of bounce right off of him. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I've heard that. I wish I could have seen him play as a high schooler. Well, with that said, let's get the show started. And one of the things we want to uh, talk about is, you know, what are some of the think about things we should think about as we get close to the end of the year? Um, I'm sure we'll do a tax show and do some of that other stuff. But, you know, I was reading an article the other day, and it was focusing on what retirees that are happy do really well. And... I think there's some really good points here because just being able to retire and be financially secure doesn't mean you're actually going to be happy in retirement. It could actually lead to some level of depression. I was watching um, a podcast this morning of another advisor that I follow some of his content. And he's talking about, you know, we talk about the go-go phase, the slow-go phase, and the no-go phase. But he actually broke this down even further into that first go-go phase and what it really looks like. And he's like, the first like month is like this euphoric, so excited, I don't have to go do anything. The next two to four months is like all the travel and all the other fun stuff we're going to go do. And then month five, six, people start to get this sense of, is this it? Like, is this all it is, right? Like, not a bad thing, but they're like, okay, well, I can only do so much of this because I probably have financial constraints. But number two, is there anything more fulfilling in retirement? 
So I thought it's a good question. I, I mean, I really hadn't thought about it that way. You know, we just think about all the good things that phase goes on. But one of the points he had was he goes, you know, there's actually a high rate of depression five, six, seven months into retirement because they've felt their their um, loss of meaning. You know, they had a job they showed up to, whether they liked the job or not, it gave them purpose and meaning in life. Yeah, it, it does. So I guess it probably starts to make an argument for staying active, maybe doing more than just leisure activities. But you don't necessarily have to work. I mean, you could volunteer your time, stay active in your church, be involved in the community, but you probably do have to implement some other activities outside of all the leisure things you want to get caught up on, right? So, have some projects for yourself, some stuff to just keep 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 a challenge ahead of you, keep, give you something to look forward to, something that keeps you stimulated, all that kind of stuff. So it's just ironic that I watch that video and then we are going to talk about this. So let me just talk about the five things that people who are deemed to be happy in retirement have done. And number one, they have a plan and they actually work the plan. So if you think about how they got to retirement, most people had some type of a plan to get there, but just because you retire doesn't mean the planning's over. So the people who are really happy actually have a well thought out plan for retirement, not just financial. Like, hey, I'm going to volunteer at this place. I'm going to spend three months in Florida. I'm going to go see my kids four times a year. And they work the plan. And it makes them really, really happy. And when you get used to working a plan when you're younger, like if you say, hey, we're going to do our systematic savings to retirement. We're giving X amount of to the church. And we're working that plan as we're younger. We start to learn those habits. And they can carry through through retirement. So that's the first thing that they found in a study that, that makes people happier in retirement is having a plan, but then working and executing it, not just winging it, which most, a lot of people, I would guess most people in retirement on the non-financial side are just winging it. Like, hey, I'll just figure out what I'm going to do today. And you know, I'm sure plenty of people If do you go talk way. to a lot of retirees, they'll go tell you, man, I don't know how I got all this stuff done before I retired. Well, it's because now they have all the time in the world, so they can take all the time in the world to get the things done. When they were working, you had to go to the grocery store on Saturday morning and get it done in an hour because you had to take your kid to basketball practice, and there was all this structure. Once the structure's gone, you can just let time completely slip away from your life. Yeah, and I hope there's a balance there, right? Like, it's probably nice to not have all the time constraints, but you probably do have to be more mindful of making good use of the time, right? You can, you can, you do have all day, but you probably got to make an effort to just to keep working on things or whatever you want to do. Putts around your house, go do the yard work, you know, fix something, do, do a project. I mean, there's more time to do it, but you still got to stay committed to it. The second thing that, that they found is that those who check in on their money are happier. And when I say check in their money, it doesn't mean they're micromanaging it. That won't make you happy. But they have an idea of what's coming in, what's going out, why they own certain investments, and how they accomplish their long-term goals. And truth be told, it's all set forth by doing a financial plan. Right? If you think about the, the retirees we work with, they have 
X amount of reviews per year, depending upon their individual circumstances. We kind of let that client guide that. But at the same time, I can go see how many people are checking their accounts daily, who checks them monthly. They gives you a little report saying who logged in and how often. Oh, yeah. um, I don't ever check it, but you know, I could if I wanted to, which doesn't matter to me, but just keeping an eyeball on what's going on will make people happier because they know why things are working the, the way that they do. So that was number two. Number three was stay healthy and active. I think this is very important. Um, you know, one of the places that I hunt, one of the gentlemen, he's 81 years old and he's in good health. And I started thinking about it. I said, if I go look at all the people I know over age 80, he's probably from a health standpoint, one of the healthier ones. Well, guess why? Does he work out? He's on the farm every day. He's driving tractors. He's doing cattle. Like he's still he's working. physically active. He's physically yeah. active every single day. You know, he, I'm sure he goes to the small town and has the coffee at Casey's and he of has course. friends. He goes you hunting stop at the co-op too and have a cup of coffee. He goes antelope hunting. <laughs> Does like he? he's going to, he's going to Alaska to go fishing. And I'm like, man, Cause I, I told him, I'm like, you know, you're in really good shape for an 81 year old. Like, cause I think of a lot of the 81 year old clients I have they're they couldn't go hunting antelope and do a deer drive and go fishing in Alaska for 10 days. They physically couldn't do it. And how old is 81. 81. So you probably won't believe this, but on the, on the high school officiating crew I'm on. So Friday night varsity games. One of our members is 78 years old, but similar. You would never know he's that old. He's a good shape. Mentally, he's super sharp, um, and he's still out there every Friday night working working a football game. It's pretty amazing. Well, because he's been – how long has he been doing it, Elias? So he's been officiating football for like 45 years. That's why. If, if you think about it, it all adds up. So I got the, the gentleman who owns the farm – He's working on the farm. That's strenuous labor. Your 77-year-old who's on the officiating team, guess what? He can't just show up and not work out the whole year and make a go of it during football season. No, he's got to be having physically to stay active. active. The other thing is if you have an active routine, you know, potentially can offset some of the medical expenses you're going to have. You know, it's estimated that Americans will spend 315000 in medical expenses. Let's just be honest. Many of those medical expenses, if you look to what happens to people as they age, knee replacements, hip replacements, you know, joints start to go bad. A lot of that's due, be, due to not being active and not having a healthy diet and lifestyle. So number three for retirees who are happy was staying healthy and active. Um, number four, I think is really cool, but it's called learning new tricks. Can you teach an old dog a new trick? I think That's you can. what I'm wondering. So here's here's what's interesting. Last night my wife's like, Do you want to take pickleball lessons? Like she yes. has to pickleball. I said, Yeah, do I do. But then it got me thinking about this article. I'm like, you know what? We're gonna learn something new. Last time I played pickleball was eighteen years no. High school. Twenty five years ago. Yeah. 27 years ago, man, I'm getting old. Um, 27 years ago when I was in high school. Where are you going to go play? I don't know yet, but I know they have, they're open that new place downtown. I'm not sure. Don't they have the Smithfield too? Probably go out there. That's where I go. 
Yeah. So, but hey, look at getting a new hobby or, you know, maybe it's join, do, do a, you know, maybe it's like a chess league or something else, just something to try to learn something new and stimulate your mind and stay active. And then the fifth thing that, that retirees said provided them with a happy, enjoyable retirement is you should keep up with your social network. I actually think a lot of retirees are good at this. Like they have their friend group, their card group or their group they go to coffee with or, you know, they go to Florida with. And I think actually when you retire, it might be easier to do this because you're not overwhelmed with all the day to day. I have to go to work. I have to come home and cook dinner and the day day's over. When you're retired, you have more time to do this. But keeping up with your social network becomes really important. It does. It does. And keeping up with social network also sometimes involves gifts and we're also coming up on the holiday season which for um especially retirees but just everyone in general the scams are also going to increase and actually i didn't know this but scams phishing i'm talking phishing scams on the internet increased by more than 150 percent from october to November. And some of the reasons why that happens is one, the shopping ramps up, whether it's in the stores to buy gift cards, um, shopping online, ordering from Amazon. But in conjunction with all of the shopping and the online orders, what ends up happening is um, at least online, there's phishing scams where you will get an email and it looks like it's from FedEx or UPS. Hey, click here to track your package. If it looks fishy, don't click on it. And really probably the best way to track your package is take the tracking number and just go onto their website and look for yourself. Don't click an unsolicited email because now they're going to start stealing your information. Um, and now you're caught up in some other kind of scam. And it's really unfortunate and we know this working with so many retired folks, like it's just scam. It's all year. It's scams galore. The phone calls, the emails they get. It's whether it's the, the lottery from a third world country, or now all of a sudden a long lost cousin reached out and needs money. It, it's just, it's one thing after another, but you really need to be careful during the holiday seasons um, with the email. And then also, through the regular uh, post office snail mail too, or even just packages being dropped off at the house. Like if you're not going to be home, maybe have your mail held at the post office. Um, if you're ordering a lot of packages, try to be there when it gets delivered. So nowadays we don't, not only do we have the phishing scams on the email, but have people that, um, you know, they'll rob your packages right off your porch. Here's another one I want to bring to light that a lot of people don't think about. If you're selling anything on Facebook, don't ever give your phone number out. Don't give your phone number? No, never. Just communicate on Facebook yep. and then have here, them meet you somewhere? Here's what they want. If you All the scammers, the first thing they say is, hey, can I call you? I need your contact number. And what they want to do is get your number so they can take over your Facebook account because now they have the two-factor authentication. They get the text. They'll take over your phone number. Then they'll get the text message to your phone number. They have it. Now they can take your account. So don't ever give your phone number out through Facebook. I had one the other day that said, hey, I need your phone number. Where can we meet? I said, great. We can meet at the Marion Police Department. 
and that you don't need my phone number. We meet the Marion Police Department because that's actually a safe place. If you're going to do a Facebook transaction, you just go right, go right to their parking lot and do it. You, no one's scamming you there. Get cricket. You would you would think of that, but that's a great idea. That I is think the it's best actually, place. I to actually meet. think it's guidance that's been put out. Like, if is it really? If you're going to do a public meetup, why not go there? And like, here's what's crazy: instantly, the profile was deleted. As soon as I said, oh, "Hey, we'll imagine just that." Instantly deleted. But if somebody asks for your phone number and you're trying to sell something on Facebook, more likely than not, it is a scam. They do not need your phone number to to buy something. To buy something from on you. Facebook. Because you're gonna meet at a public place. You know, that's where I'd recommend going. Just hey, right your public police department. Most of them have like meetup places for this. And the reason is to protect people. Yeah. You know, if you go to someone's house, you don't know what you're getting into. No, don't do that. So I didn't so, mean to hijack. This, no, you're good. I was selling some on Facebook and the first five things are like, hey, I want to buy this. What's your phone number? I'm like, yeah, no, you don't need my phone. We're number. not doing that. Never heard anything again from them. Yeah. And that actually in a dit. So when you're on Facebook, the other thing that's going to ramp up with the phishing will be uh, just fake advertisements, essentially, because they're going to start having, you know, every company is going to be doing extra marketing. Well, you're also going to see things that are offered to to click on so then you can start looking at some deal um so to protect your personal information you know you really don't want to click on something and then share your credit card share your social security number you just need to be very diligent I as you're going through, through the holiday yeah you gotta don't pay paypal i don't do it yeah you got to use some sort of official official service and the, the other scam that we're going to start seeing is charity scams so people are going to try and do an advertisement that looks like you're giving money to a good cause you're really just giving money to a scammer so i think um anytime you do want to donate some money just be diligent in checking on what that found what that charity is what they do and just don't go through the social media link if you want to give money to some outfit, go onto their website or call their 800 number and just give it to them directly. Don't use links that are advertised. I have a rule through the social media platform. I don't click a link anywhere. That's a good rule. Just, you're, yeah, don't I'm do going to give you another example. Your cell phone, you're going to get stuff. Oh, your FedEx package is delayed. Click here. That's a scam. Don't click. Don't ever click a link. Your email, your cell phone, social media, you don't need to click a link. Just go direct to the carrier. Elias, I think those are good tips how to protect yourself from getting scammed going into the holiday season. One thing about November, November is actually long-term care awareness month. And I think it's important to understand, you know, that, that this is a rising, it's been an issue for a long time, but it's getting worse. You know, I did a class called Passport to Retirement. I was teaching it for um, a hospital foundation and they updated the materials from 2022 22 to 2023. And I remember when I started teaching this class back in like 2010, they said, you know, if you're a married couple, 65, and you're both healthy still, you have a 40% chance of one of you needing care. That was 2010. Both healthy at 65, yep. 40%. Okay. 40% chance that one of you is going to need some type of skilled care. Today, it was 70%. That's gone up to 70%. 70%. When I did it, I was shocked. I'm like, I did a double take on the material. I'm like, is that right? In skilled care, so could basically be in home one of the one person will need some. One kind of person care. is going to need 
some type of care. And then I started, you know, you know me, I'm always trying to figure out why, like, I'm like, why would it be? Well, here's why modern medicine's come a long way in 14 years and we're able to keep people alive a lot longer. But what we haven't been able to do is make the body parts better, make people's minds better. We haven't, you know, we haven't had breakthroughs in how to increase people's memory and some of those things. So if we keep people alive longer, but they, the memory still fades as we get older and the body doesn't get healthier, what happens? We need more help transferring, bathing, eating, all those different things that go with aging. And that's why. Think about this. This is how far medicine's gone. Aaron Rodgers tore his ACL, right? Mm -hmm. That used to be minimum 12 months, if not career ending. They believe he might be back in four months. Cam Akers was the fastest to ever recover from an ACL injury. Preseason was back by the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers just did experimental surgery. They think he'd be back by the playoffs. That would be crazy. Four months. That'd be crazy. But think about where we've gone. Think about Tommy John surgery for baseball. In 1990, 1995, 1995 is not that long ago, 25 years. If you had to get Tommy John, your career was arguably over. Now, they want to get Tommy John surgery. Then they can throw Because we're going to get three or four miles an hour extra on the ball. Yeah. So we're doing the same thing with keeping people alive. We just haven't figured out how to improve the memory. So it's going to lead to a higher percentage of people needing some type of care. It doesn't, the statistic doesn't actually say how long, just that 70% of the people will need skilled care at some time. Maybe it's for 60 days. Doesn't mean it's for six years. Um, But I think it's good to talk about, you know, how to deal with long-term care. And we've really had the same four ways to deal with long-term care since the day I started doing this. And one is you can ignore the problem. And that's what a vast majority of people do. And no one wants to think about getting to the point where you're going to have to have somebody help you do everything. Nobody wants to think about that. So it's just. Don't want to. Yeah. No one wants to think about it. No one wants to pay for it. No. The second way you can do it is you, you can go on government assistance, which is basically spending down all your assets to qualify to have the state pay for your long-term care needs. And for a large percentage of the population, that's probably the best way to deal with it. Because you have to have a certain amount of means to make it make sense to, you know, figure out how you're going to take care of long-term care. Yeah, a lot of times it's the most realistic option for people. Even if you have money, sometimes it's still the most real. And how much you have is arbitrary. But even if you have money, sometimes it's the most realistic. The third option is you're self-insured, which means you got to take all of your guaranteed income sources. So that's pension, Social Security, plus whatever you can earn safely on your investment assets. Add those up. If it's enough monthly income to pay for the long-term care bill, you're arguably self-insured. And fourth, if you don't have enough monthly income to pay for a long-term care bill, you supplement it with some type of insurance policy. And those are really the ways you deal with it. The one thing about long-term care is we've seen this massive divergence in what's offered from companies. I had a client um, who had a long-term care policy. I didn't write it, but he just said, hey, give me your opinion on it. He's had it for 14 years. And the premiums went from 3,000 a year to six. And this person, they can afford it. 
Like, no problem affording it. It's a 10-year plan, inflation rider. And I told him, I'm like, you should probably keep this. I said, I, I'm not sure you could go buy a policy on the open market that's as good as this policy. I know my father-in-law was doing long-term care back in the 90s. Unlimited benefits. So yeah, you can't you pay for that 15 anymore. years. That doesn't exist anymore. No. And we've seen this divergence away from the traditional long-term care policy to a hybrid that's a combination of life and long-term care or long-term care and annuity, just so insurance companies can better manage their risk. Um, if anybody's looking for help with long-term care, feel free to reach out to us at btwellshow.com. We can get you pointed in the right direction. But it's something you should be aware of and especially due to the fact that basically if you're married and you're 65, one of you is going to need some type of skilled care. Yeah. At some point could be minimal. It could be, um, a bigger deal, like he said. So there are, uh, coming into the end of the year, another thing, especially for retired folks, um, is social security changes that happen. There's some stuff that happens every year, so I'm going to kind of touch on those first, but everyone is going to end up getting their cost of living adjustment. So the cost of living adjustment for Social Security, what that does is it helps helps people um, increase their Social Security kind of with inflation. And this year's estimate from the Senior Citizens League is 3.2% is going to be the raise that everyone's Social Security We'll get next year, so not a lot, but every little bit helps, right? Um, we had a massive raise the year before. Well, right, but we also had massive inflation. So, but don't you think inflation's still higher than three point two? I thought this was kind of low compared to what inflation expectations. Although I will are. tell you, I went to the grocery store the other day. Guess what? I paid for a dozen eggs. What? Yes, they were five bucks. Remember? Uh, they were. Three dollars and twenty five cents. A buck nineteen. Dollar nineteen For cents. Eggs? Yeah, I've been buying eggs again. How did they go down so much? Maybe they shouldn't have gone up that much in the beginning. Remember do you remember when I talked about how my wife was had me buying five dollar eggs before five dollar eggs were a thing? Because mm -hmm. we had to have the brown, organic, range free eggs. They were four ninety nine for a dozen eggs and you're buying the eggs the white ones at Hy V for forty nine cents. I was buying five dollar eggs. Well, those 49 cent eggs went up to four and five bucks, right? So let's call that a 8X increase. My $5 eggs should have went to $40. How did that not happen? What, what'd they go to? Like maybe seven bucks? Seven. Yeah, so that But the cheap make eggs sense. went yeah. from, you know, like, even if it was a dollar a dozen, they went from a dollar a dozen to five bucks. My eggs still should have been 25 or 30 bucks. Yeah. So we pay three dollars a dozen to a local farmer. And they, they didn't they didn't raise the prices with inflation. They just kept them at three dollars a dozen. Well, so that was nice. Here's the thing though, you're getting a higher quality egg. Oh, for sure. You know where it's from, it hasn't been pro there's just some advantages of that, so that's worth the premium. I'm fine. Yeah, and they're so good, I'm fine paying. Does Dan still bring eggs in here? Yeah, that's where I get them. Oh, you still get them from yep. Dan? Yep. So anyway, yeah, so back on to Social Security. That was our promo for Farm Fresh Eggs. <laughs> um, a couple other changes, and uh, actually you're going to have to work a little bit more to get and make a little bit more money to uh, 
qualify for the full credits for Social Security. I'm guessing this is an inflation adjustment. Adjustment, you know, I don't. I guess I'm not sure if this is something they increase all the time, but kind of the gist of it, you can earn four credits in a year towards your Social Security to get your maximum benefit based on your income. You basically have to have 10 years. Well, you have to have 40 total credits. credits. So the minimum you could do is 10 years, four credits a year, or it could be 40 credits over 40 years in different situations. But the, uh, the minimum you need to make now for the year is 1,640, which is an increase. It's up like $130 from $1,510 in 2022. And then that, that will increase again in 2024. More people are going to owe social security tax on more income. So there's also before your full retirement age, it's a little complicated, but if you make too much money, then they start to discount your social security benefit. So they're also taking a look at that. So I think they're lowering that threshold. So basically what that means is if you work, if you, okay, let me back up. If you file for social security before full retirement age, and then you go out and work, the money that you can make now is less before they start discounting the social security benefit. So but you I, don't lose that benefit. That benefit gets added back and accrued when you hit full full retirement age, so it bumps up how much you're getting paid. Yes, there's yes, there's more to it than that. But I think, to me, my take on this was the they're trying to incentivize maybe more people delaying it and taking a higher benefit. I'm sure there's reasons for that. It's probably going to help Social Security with the solvency, right? Like if people aren't taking the benefit and they're adding it back at the end, if they're just working and still paying into the credits, yeah, I'm sure that all has stuff. Because there are, here's one thing, Social Security is not going away, but there are changes that are always going to be made to keep it solvent. And then they're going to increase the maximum Social Security benefit at full retirement age. So again, I think that also lends to that argument of they're wanting more people to wait until full retirement age and take a higher benefit. I'm guessing that some of the incentive for the government to do that would be you're working longer, paying in more. And then as you mentioned, they don't have to figure out, we discounted it because you're working. We add that back in over here. They're they're really just trying to get ahead of some of the solvency issues. And I don't, and I don't think, um, you know, I don't believe that social security is going away. It's always going to be around it. There might be a different, uh, variation of it, but it's just something to be aware of that. There's always going to be changes and, I think it's easy for people to hear, oh, they're changing Social Security. They're trying to take more from me. Typically, the changes with Social Security are at least incentivized a little bit to help people who are retiring. You know, I know, you know, we got it. 2024, we're going to have an election. There might be some scary talk about Social Security and what's going to happen. Um, All that's a bunch of fooey. It's going to be around it's going to be available. But I think just listeners just need to understand there's always going to be changes and things that will happen with Social Security. Well, with that said, I want to tell everybody, hope hope you're looking forward to a good 2024. We're a couple months away, but it's time to start preparing and getting ready for next year. If anybody has any questions on Social Security, long-term care, feel free to reach out at btwellshow.com. You can follow us on social at uh, Facebook, YouTube. Thanks, everybody, for listening. 
securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.